Welcome to Ray Sport Fishing Podcast. We're uh, very, very happy to have Nick Haddad from the IGFA joining us today. I think it's going to be uh, an exciting discussion. Um, first in a series, we look forward to going through a lot of what the IGFA offers. Um, I myself was really surprised at the incredible number of programs that the IGFA offers, how widespread its availability to anybody who fishes anywhere in the world. Great, thanks for having me on here. I'm happy to uh, come on and thanks for the invitation. Um, it's just, there's a lot of great things we can go over here. And yeah, the IGFA does a lot of stuff that um, you know a lot of people don't know about. So I think it's good to get this information out there and you know get the everyday angler involved. And I, I want to start, if I can, um, with you, Nick. Your yep. background. You come from the northeastern United States mm -hmm. and make your way down to the IGFA. How, how does that happen? So you know, I I always grew up fishing. My dad taught me how to fish, but he's I wouldn't call him a fisherman like I am. You know, <laughs> he you know he'll go out casually, but I've been obsessed since a very young age. Um, you know, it, it kind of became my escape, you know, getting to a stream, you know, trout fishing. It's just so peaceful whether you catch something or not. You're always learning something new when you're on the water. And, you know, I was going to do engineering. You know, my dad's an engineer. I was always good at math and science. And my mom was like, oh, you should do marine science. You know, and I'm like, ah, I don't I don't know, you know, like not as many jobs, tough field. But she convinced me. So I ended up going to University of Tampa where I uh, got my major in biology and marine science. And then from there, again, didn't have anything lined up and I just happened to fall into a perfect gig at Louisiana State University where I got my master's in renewable natural resources concentrated in fisheries and aquaculture management. So for the better, most of the six years I've been down in the South, I've been studying uh, fish specifically and doing research on them as well. Which gives you a unique advantage when you're fishing. <laughs> it does. You think it would, but you know, you always learn something new every time you go fishing. You know, you th right when you think you have a fish figured out, that something new comes up. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. When I graduated from there, I just finished my thesis, and um, I actually just found the job on Indeed, applied, and you know, it ended up working out. <laughs> Nick, tell us tell us some about the history of the IGFA. It's it's been around, as far as I know, my entire life. Cool. Yep. So, um, 1939, at the eve of World War II, it was founded by um, Michael Lerner, and it was created basically because we had a need for um, a standardized set of rules across the sports and a code of ethics for sport fishing in general. Um, so it was created back in 1939. Michael Lerner actually was not the first president, but William Gregory was, who was an ichthyologist at the American Museum of Natural History. So it's, you know, we have our roots in conservation and science, you know, back in 1945, I believe it was, in one of our first newsletters, um, our mission was to create, um, not create, but to engage recreational anglers um, and accumulate data and collect data to study fish. So it's always been about studying fish, you know. Uh, the biggest fish in the world, uh, it helps us determine growth rates, max sizes of species. So a lot of all tackle records are actually used for science. And we haven't always been a nonprofit. We were actually, uh, before that, we didn't have memberships open to the public. We had member institutions and they were almost all scientific institutions. So, you know, our roots are in science and conservation. 
and uh, that's kind of where we began. We have here in the office still, although the um, Hall of Fame moved to Missouri, we still have the largest collection of books and magazines on recreational angling in the world. Um, it's pretty incredible, the E.K. Harry Library of Fishes, um, you know, and we've done a lot, a lot in the past for conservation, and it's just a part of uh, the IGFA that a lot of people don't know about. Fantastic. And as well, the IGFA is a leader in conservation, mm -hmm. involved in lots of programs. Yep. Education and otherwise. Well, should you give us a little bit on yeah. that? So uh, probably our feature conservation program is the IGMR Great Marlin Race. Um, and it's the world's largest satellite tagging program for billfish. And it's basically like a tournament within a tournament. So anglers or boats can that, or clubs can sponsor a satellite tag and they'll be deployed in these tournaments. Um, you know, like uh, one of the major billfish tournaments around the world, we have select deployment locations. And it's almost like a tournament within the tournament. So people will deploy the tags and whoever's marlin travels the furthest over 242 days wins that tournament. So it's almost like a race to, to track the marlin and it collects data on, you know, light environmental variables and has been huge for the way we study billfish today. So we have these tracks, we can actually follow them for two, up to 240 days around the world as they migrate. And it's a pretty incredible program. But on top of that, you know, you have your big fish. You also have your bait fish, which are equally as important as important. So we have our forage fish conservation program where we fund graduate students who are studying bait fish specifically. Um, that's another program. And on top of that, we, you know, we're always promoting science based fisheries policy that's, you know, good for the fish and recreational anglers has to be science based. Uh, one of our major wins was the uh, Billfish Conservation Act of 2012 which we were a huge proponent in pushing, and that prevented um, in the U.S. mainland the import of billfish meat and uh, what, what from the Pacific. And what we, they, we did some market research and found that um, the U.S. was actually the world's leader in importing billfish. So we got that law passed, and it's been huge. Um, it was amended in 2018 because there was a loophole. It was only for the mainland. And there's still some imports coming from Hawaii, but in 2018, that was amended to close that loophole as well. Fantastic. Incredible. I mean, and you know, this is all part of what we need to preserve our fisheries. Yep. And the next and future generations. Well, yeah, the future generations, you know, education is another huge thing we do. Um, just two years ago, we started the concept of this passports to fishing clinic. So it's basically everything you need to teach kids or the next generation of anglers how to responsibly fish including environmental stewardship conservation not tying the basics of tackle and we've made these kits and sent them around the world and within less than two years we've taught that means not just gave a kid a rod that means went through all those topics 50,000 kids how to fish we have those kits in 10 languages and they're sent to 37 countries right now so really doing our best to, you know, teach the next generation of anglers. You know, if I didn't fish, I probably wouldn't have gotten into science and I'm so happy that's what led me to this, so. Fantastic, and you're responsible for all of those files behind you, I assume. This yes. Is yes, so you might be able to see, there's actually three rows of files there. We've got our, in the front, we've got our line class records. Um, in the middle, we have tippet class and junior records, and in the back, we have all tackle, all tackle length records, and we actually file every Grand Slam application away, too, with the photos and stuff, too. So there's 
lots of stuff back there, including the line and tackle for almost all those applications. A treasure trove of happy people. It is. A lot of cool stories in there, too. Yep. So one of the things we're really like to focus on is um, the, the, the specifics of what's required to mm -hmm. ultimately apply for a, 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 a record, whether it yep. be today we're going to spend some time really focusing on uh, release length records, yep. uh, what's entailed there. And I think it is probably good to start at the rod button all the way through to your terminal tackle. There are going yep. to be some nuances and that we may not get into, but it to take the mystery out of it because it really isn't that complicated. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not, you know, I always tell people most of your everyday tackle is compliant. When we're talking about a rod, your everyday rod, the tip length has to be at least 40 inches. The butt length can't be more than 27 inches. But if you're surf casting, you know, there's scenarios like that where the rule does not apply. But the rod's pretty pretty standard. Most rods you're going to see are over 40 inches in length, and the tip, then the butt length is usually less than 27, with the exception of surf casting, which it's allowed to be longer. So that's your basic rod requirement. Um, when you get into the line and the double line and the leader, that's where you start to have a lot of a lot more of intricacies in the rules here. You know, up to you know we got different rules for freshwater, saltwater, leader length um, for lines up to and including 20 pounds for lines 30 pounds and over. So I don't know how in depth you want me to go, but there are a lot in the rules here. I'll just give you an example for saltwater fishing, conventional tackle. Um, leader length. You're allowed up to a 15-foot leader if you're using line a main line class up to and including 20 pounds. If it's over that, you're allowed a 30-foot leader. And a lot of that stems from, you know, big game offshore fishing, uh, you know, marlin fishing, you, someone being able to grab the leader on some of those bigger fish. Absolutely. And then as we get down, and I spent some time focusing on this because I've been up bottom fishing quite a bit uh, recently, blackfish and uh, and uh, black sea bass, um, the hooks. Mm -hmm. There are very specific requirements for the distance between a, a tandem hook rig or a high-low rig and... and yeah, up. so if you're using, you know, like it, that's, a, again, it's all situational stuff, but if you're using, you know, two hooks on a single bait, they both have to be embedded in the bait, and I believe they can't be more than 18 inches apart, and I mean, that's a big bait at that point, um, but, you know, if you're using the dropper rig, they have to be on separate drops there with two baits. Um, if you're using bait, dead, live, natural, you cannot use treble hooks. That's one of the big rules that we've had, and it's just something for the protection of fish. You know, there's been a lot of evolution in fishery management and gear specifically to help protect some of our species so so yeah you cannot use treble hooks you know it's common in some fisheries like king mackerel stinger hooks mm -hmm. so there's there's a couple spots where where we've seen it but most people today in, in today's day and age aren't using treble hooks with natural bait as much yeah, but all all the lures having a hook swing into and snag snagging yeah. a fish went yeah it's not sporting really at that point you know um, and most of the lures you see at the store, though, if you buy some plugs or hard baits with three treble hooks, most of those are perfectly legal. We don't allow more than three treble hooks. I don't know if I've seen a, a lure with four. So. <laughs> so most of what you buy is compliant. But if you, you know, if you're planning to fish, it's good to read through these rules. Just, you know, they were developed for a reason to standardize the sport around the world. And uh, everyone that fishes by these rules and all these records here. 
everyone's fishing by the same set of rules. So, right, right, right. And it, 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 there's not a lot of mystery to it. It's not that complicated. It looks, no. it looks, you know, it I just mean, requires it requires you to read the rules, spend mm -hmm. a little bit. Of time. Yep. There's a lot into it, and you know, but we're here to help you. So, you know, one of the biggest things I always tell people: if you're confused about a rule. If you want me to go through a section with you, I'd be happy to go through. So, you know, don't hesitate to call us. You know, we want to help you out. We want this to be clear. There's just so many situations involved in fishing. You know, one rule that a lot of people don't know of is if you're wading, if you're wade fishing or a shorebound angler and you have a guide with you, the guide has to actually be within a rod's length for you to net the fish. And, you know, that was a rule that came into place because we we saw a couple situations where people are fishing in rivers and you know the guide will be 15 20 yards down river scooping them up in the net but the, you know that fight's not over yet you didn't win the fight against that fish you know there's they could leave the pool it could run into some snags still so it's it's all really rules to have a fair fight between the angler and the fish exceptional as it should be uh, uh, understood from that point you're fishing your rods in the rod holder let's say mm -hmm. fish bites take it from there what do we do and what do we not do oh well we if you are fishing for record consideration you pick up the rod yourself immediately you do not let the mate pass it off to you that's one of the common issues we see on you know some charter boats you know the mates it's their job you know to help out the angler a lot of anglers need to be helped but if you're fishing for record consideration or and by our rules, you pick up the um, the rod immediately once you have the bite, and then you fight it to fish entirely. Um, no one else can touch the rod, reel, or main line until the, you get to the leader. The mate can grab the leader, obviously, or gaff the fish or net the fish. So yeah, that, that's a big one. You know, passing off the rod—that's a violation of our rules. Um, and picking up the rod immediately. So. Let's say a fish bites, you can't clear, someone can't clear all the lines and then go back to the rod because the rod, the boat's fighting the fish, you know, during that time period. So it's, again, it's designed to keep a fair fight between the angler and the fish. And that's, you know, the timing is you, you should go straight to the rod, pick up yeah, the rod, exactly. set the hook or yep. and fight the fish. So now we're fighting the fish, fish is coming to the boat, there's a, the, the mate or your, your your fishing partner at that point from the leader down can touch it yep they can grab the leader any contact with the rod yep or the line. yep they can you gotta you gotta get the fish in close enough to the leader where either they can grab the leader wrap their hand pull it in or they can gap it from that point um, but yeah you do have to get it to that point on your own right and for release net the fish your, yep. your partner and mate can net the fish, bring it aboard. Yep, and for the all tackle length category, which we'll get into um, a little more later, obviously it mandates the release of the fish, and you cannot use gaff, so, which seems like a no-brainer. Like, you can't lip gaff a fish and then release it. So, so yeah, you do have no gaffs are allowed for um, for all tackle length records. Yep, very good. So, we, we I have with me the um, IGFA. Um, measuring device um, it's a unique device and we'll, we'll we'll get into that they're um well well built but you need to have it yeah yes you're not measuring that fish snout to tail with a, with a tape measure or anything else this is no. what's required yep and that's a lot of people you know have 
complained about it, but once I describe it, it's pretty easy to understand. You know, just like we have a standardized set of rules here, you need a standardized measurement. And there's many ways you can measure the length of a fish. I mean, if you run a soft tape measure from the mouth of a fish all the way down, including the length of the girth, it's going to be a longer measurement than a perfectly flat nose to the front of the board measurement to the rear center edge of the tail. So there's a lot that goes into it, especially with, you know, the the uh, increments on the scale here in centimeters. We, we don't estimate in between. Certain tape measures go down to a millimeter, some a centimeter, some an inch. So there's a lot of variety, and that's why we decided that you needed to have this device to make it standardized across everything, which makes sense. If your fish is 55 and a half centimeters, you measure to 55? Yep, yep, because there's no, there's no in-between on the measuring device, so it, it rounds down to the lowest set increment there. Yep. And, I'm, and I've noticed there are a few records that are, that are ties. Yep, yep, and, so. Uh, on the release, some, 54 and 55. Mm -hmm. So you have, you have to beat a record by two centimeters to outright defeat it. And a tie is either the same uh, centimeter value or one larger. And that just kind of goes back to, we have the similar rules for weight-based records. Um, if a fish weighs 25 pounds or under, you have to beat it by two ounce to be an outright full-on record on your own you beat it by less than two ounces or tie it exactly, it's still considered a tie. Fish over 25 pounds, it's one half of 1% of the current record. I'm gonna pull out one of these, which were actually in the production of a, a bunch more. You got one of the last ones for sale right now. <laughs> but uh, this is basically what the board is. You know, you've got your centimeter increments on there. You've got a bump board on the front where you press the mouth or snout of the fish up against there. And there's actually some um, little descriptions and rules on the front there as well. And then it comes with a packet here, which describes your all tackle length records and the rules. And you have a list of eligible species and minimums to start the category. So. And that list of eligible species is not a complete list of all species. Uh, there are some there are some species that are simply not on there and they're not going to be. I, I'm not sure I would want to be the one to measure a mako shark and release it exactly. because it be brought aboard. It needs to be laid out on the on, so it's just a rational decision by IGFA. To... Yeah. So the category was created. I mean, I can go into the history a little bit. It was created in 2011. You know, a lot of people have been pushing for conservation. We've always been a conservation-based organization from the very beginning. I'll go into that more in detail too, but um, it was created to mandate the release of fish. You know, there's a lot of scenarios these days, striped bass fishery, for example, where the slot limit's what, 28 to 35 inches in most states? Mm -hmm. uh, you can't simply can't keep a record if you're on a boat and an all tackle weight. So not only does it help conservation wise, but it gives opportunity to anglers who may not be able to keep the fish or weigh it from shore per se, because that's a requirement for weight-based records with the exception of junior records. So it gives you that opportunity. And you know, it's, it's, just, a, it's just a great category and it was created in 2011 and we had all of our line class and tippet class eligible species. So what we did was we went through that and we decided, hey, this we can safely measure and release on the board. So billfish, for example, 
you're not going to find them on that list in here because you can't you can't safely bring a, fit, a billfish up on the boat, measure it on this device, and then release it. So we basically and we have a new regulation in place that doesn't allow you to boat the fish unless you're going to kill it. Exactly. Um, yeah. So the days of pictures of sailfish being held up and then released are over. That's basically how we decided on that list. It doesn't mean there's not going to be more on it in the future. Um, but for, for now, that's what the list was decided at. So they're all fish that you can safely boat, measure quickly, and release. Yep. And there remains at least one open cat or one vacant. Yeah, I believe there's actually a few vacants. The one that surprised me, I think weak fish is still vacant. Yeah. Well, we're going to close that up hopefully soon. I'll be out uh, on the water immediately. <laughs> that might catch someone's interest on here. And then yeah. if you get minimum so we have this list here and if we look at weak fish um, the minimum is 48 centimeters so the minimums on this were decided basically at you know we had to have a, a starting point for where we can start the category so these were basically around half of the all tackle length so whatever the all tackle record was by weight we took their length and we cut it in half to decide where the starting point for the records can be so a vac a, a, any vacant species there's there's a minimum length to qualify for to apply for the the release record yep if it's vacant um it has to reach that minimum and it's also similar for line tippet class records so it's yeah. just you know improve the quality you know so people aren't submitting something like you know a two pound fish on a 130 pound line or something like that <laughs> exactly there it is so you've now captured what do you think will be a record fish? We have measured it. The process there involves taking specific photographs mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, to, 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 fill, to provide with your application. Yep. Why don't you walk us through the application process and what's necessary? So first of all, you land a fish. We have in that packet, we have best handling practices. We always advise to hold the fish horizontally if possible. You know, we want to protect the fish, use rubber coated nets if possible. Um, but from there, the requirements are a few pictures. You need to have a picture of the full length of the fish on the measuring board, a close-up of the mouth position so that we can see it's pressed up against the front, and a close-up of the tail so we can accurately read the fork length. It's, it's technically the rear center edge of the tail, but for most fish, it's the fork length. Um, so you, those are the required pictures on top of the typical, the angler with the fish, so your hero shot, and the rod and reel that was used. And from there, you know, you have to cut your line sample off. So if you're fly fishing, that includes your whole leader attached to the original fly. And if you're um, fishing with conventional tackle, we need five meters or at least 16 and a half feet of your main line attached to your double line leader and hooks of bait fishing. If you're using a lure, you can take a picture of it and cut it off and send it in. Because they're getting expensive lures these days. <laughs> yeah, they certainly are. But, uh, I'll so not that complicated in the day of cell phones where we all have the ability to take pictures um, yeah you know or it's, it's, video quickly i mean I've, i'm seeing a lot now where someone will take a video showing the full length and just quickly zoom into the mouth run it along to the tail position and we can tell from the full length where it should be we can zoom in on the tail see it at the same position so it's really quick. I mean, you can do all that, the picture of the angler, your hero shot, and what's required on the device in less than a minute and get the fish back in the water. 
you can take the picture of the rod and reel after and you can get your line sample after so the fish doesn't have to be out of the water for very long at all and you, and you want to be sure on release that that fish releases healthy swims it off and, and need to um, depending on how long the fight was and yep do everything you can to make sure that fish swims off as strong as possible yeah, fantastic um you know if the what, what would happen fish release up it goes you can't revive that's the end of that record application qualified for the record it has to be released alive and well and swim off strong all right fantastic now we get to the paperwork we've got an application uh i i carry mine in a ziploc bag with me when i'm fishing uh, <laughs> right so walk us through the, the that application process witness so the application is pretty straightforward. Um, it's all information that you should be able to gather relatively quickly, especially for the all tackle length. You don't have to worry about your scale information. You know, all the, the pictures are on the board, so we know that immediately. But it's basically a series of questions or um, fields to fill out, just describing your tackle, the length of the fish, um, witnesses you have. Um, it's not impossible to catch a record without a witness. Some people think that. Um, but if you properly document it, you know, when I fish by myself, most of the time I have a GoPro on my chest. So I record most of my fishing and I can certainly doc properly document a record um, weight or length based by myself. We always suggest to include witnesses if they're on there um, in case we have to reach out for more information or we need testimony from witnesses or we see something. We do ask for that information. But yeah, most of it's just, you know, fighting time rod uh rod make tip length butt length length of fish girth of fish if you have it um and yeah it's pretty much all straightforward well i i myself think that this is a a, a tremendous addition to what we all do fishing the opportunity to catch records anybody has that opportunity um and i think that getting away from the biggest fish that necessitates killing that fish. Uh, it, 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 this is a step in the right direction. I've watched the progression over my lifetime of fishing, which is probably a little bit longer than yours, given all of this gray. So that, uh, you know, the, the release didn't exist. Yeah. It, but when I started fishing, it wasn't a thing. It, it's become and it's growing. And as I see more and more tournaments focusing on release, Something like this is a big step forward, I think, not only to open up opportunity uh, to, I mean, Greg Meyerson, good friend of ours, he's got a world record, he's got the world record striped bass. That's not going to change for a while. I know that he would love to see somebody catch a bigger bass because it shows up the fishery. Is. The Albert McReynolds, right? He caught it from shore, so he, <laughs> it might be possible still, but it's unlikely, so. Yep, no. Absolutely, but but you know, being able to recognize uh, accomplishments, you know, angling, uh, it, it, it's it's great stuff. We really appreciate all the IGFA does. Well, thank you, and and it's it's cool to see the evolution of our mindset as fishermen. Like you said, release wasn't a thing. Now it's almost frowned upon, which I don't think that should be the case. You know, we're recreational fishermen. We provide a lot. Of money towards science and funding for um, to figure out what's happening with our stocks. If you catch a fish, a healthy stock, it's in good shape and it's good eating. 
by all means, feel free to eat it. I eat fish sometimes. I'd say 99% of the time I fish release or I release fish, but I'm very happy with keeping one once in a while for dinner. Uh, <laughs> and but it's cool though. Like I said, the the mindset's changing. Um, I ran some stats quick just before I hopped on here. So far this year in 2020, for approved records, that's all records including weight, 51.7% were released alive. So including weight records which is impressive and in the last five years or so we've seen that number right around 50 percent every year which is exceptional i mean recently you were telling me about a uh um, um a junior record it's a tog yep i'm fascinating and fish was he, brought back in why don't you tell the story yeah so he uh brought the fish back in which he actually didn't have to but that's okay a junior is actually able to weigh a fish on the boat that's the only exception for weight-based records or juniors allowed to do that because we want them to be able to release every fish if they want to, you know, not have to bring it in if they don't want. But he actually brought it in, got a weight on the dock, and st was still able to re release the fish alive and well afterwards. So very cool story. It's just remarkable. It's fantastic. Uh, yep. We recently saw three tarpon records caught and released on the fly as well. And really? Yes. So I spent a lot of time, I, I spent a lot of time on the phone with FWC, making sure, you know, the angler was compliant with all the rules. So in Florida, you're not allowed to take a fish out of the water if it's over 40 inches. Um, didn't specify total length or fork length, but from what I heard, it was fork length. So there was a couple, you know, there's a couple lighter women's tippet class records, and she was able to set the two pound, four pound. Both of them were under. 40 inches so she was legally allowed to weigh it where she caught it not transport it weigh it where she caught it um it like wading in the water or or standing on the shore and release it and then for the third one it was over the six pound record six pound tippet record it was over but she was able to apply her tarpon tag which is a requirement for the rules if it's over 40 inches fork length and then cut off the tag and release it safely so great story fantastic You've got a lot of files behind you. I do. <laughs> I'd, lo I'd love to see one. Take us through it, you know, if, if you have something there. I actually pulled a couple for you because this is one that sparked interest. So this was the all-tackle length striped bass from this past year. Fantastic. So, yeah, so this is, this is it. And um, basically what I said before is you got your hero shot there. Almost the same image, just two slightly different. So for this one, um, we have a picture of the full length on the board here, but I was also sent digital pictures where I was able to zoom and show that the mouth was completely up against the board and zoom in on the tail. So we could read it. So it's, if you don't have the specific zooms, it's possible, you know, send me digital ones. As long as I can tell and we can see the full length of the fish on the board, it's still fine if you don't have the specific subset of pictures. Because if you think about it, a lot of people just zoom in and take a crop of the tail and zoom in, take a crop of the head. As long as we can clearly tell, it's okay. You have your line sample here from that record. So I have, it was 30 pound test, high seas diamond um, with six foot fluorocarbon and um, a bead on there. And I believe he was using a planer board, which he was able to cut off. As long as it released um, once the fish took, it's legal, um, which it did. So he was able to cut that off and keep it. I have the application here and the, uh, his application information, all that's in there. 
So that's one example of an alt tackle length here, which was, became extremely popular when I posted that picture on social media. We got a wave of people. I think we uh, sold out of measuring devices for the brief time pretty quickly after that. Um, but here's another cool one. Um, this is all tackle length Arctic char. Wow. So it's beautiful fish. It's not a thick fish so weight wise you know it might not be a record but you can tell it's long you have a picture on the device right here and you have what you need picture the close-up of the head against the board close-up of the tail so we can measure the fork length and then you have your rod and reel use right there so you have all your requirements including the line sample and this was caught on the vibrax blue fox spinner so I was able to cut the spinner off and keep it. And with that application, that's all you need. So it's 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 pretty simple, you know. Um, it doesn't have to be a hard process. And you can do it quickly, efficiently, and protect the fish and still get a world record. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, there are a lot of other opportunities with the IGFA. And I really look forward to going through a lot of them with you over time. Um, I mean, everything from from line class, you know, there's all tackle, there's line class, there's fly, there's all of the tippet in, within that. But there's also Grand Slams, Royal Slam. Yep. And the Lifetime is... The Lifetime's the Royal Slam. So popular on the Billfish Royal Slam, catching all nine of the major billfish species or, you know, it doesn't matter what species of spearfish as long as you get one of those, a swordfish, um, Pacific and Atlantic blue marlin, black marlin, Pacific and um, Atlantic sailfish and white marlin. And I think that's all of them I got. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's just something that, yeah. I mean, the bill, bill fishing is bill fishing. It, it is an expensive sport. You're not yeah. doing it from the beach. But they're, they're the inshore slams. There's so many opportunities for uh, in any angler anywhere in the country. We just saw at end of the summer is usually the culmination of a bunch of trout grand slam applications that I get from the Midwest. So you got your cutthroats, your browns, your rainbows, your brooks. So we have trout grand slam options. We have bass grand slam options. They don't have to be huge fish. I just got an application for a bass grand slam. Um, from a kid in, I, I think it was Virginia, and each fish was probably no more than six inches in length, but it was a large mouth, a small mouth, and a spotted bass. It was one of the smallest ones I saw, but it was a kid, and he was thrilled, and it's, it's a great thing to provide those opportunities for people. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I, I really can't thank you enough for taking the time to spend with us, take a little bit of mystery out of the IGFA and records. I really look forward to, you know, continuing the conversation as we go as we yeah. go forward and uh it's great stuff for folks to focus on over the winter as you make your boards and get uh, restocked and uh, have a big order coming in hopefully pretty soon and you know there might be some changes to the category but um i i can guarantee you there'll be some more opportunities in the future records will continue to evolve um, and we're going to do our best to make sure there's opportunities for everyone out there fantastic nick Adad, again thank you thank you for spending the time with us for having me.